and welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers, 100 Films and 100 Podcasts. This week, we are back with number 81 on AFI's Top 100 list and Spartacus. I am Matt Bazell. And I am Spartacus. I'm just waiting for you to say your actual name. Oh, I'm Ethan Knight. <laughs> so, Ethan, we in fact watched Spartacus, 1960s Spartacus. 1960s Spartacus. Kubrick! Kubrick! But we did have the... 1991 restoration scenes within this film we're not missing the homoerotic illusions that crassus makes to antonitis yes and we get to see the dismemberments oh yeah he chopped that guy's arm off Whew. and then we also got to hear Verinia hoping spartacus to die <laughs> oh that was they that was taken out of the original yeah i did not meet the legion of decencies requirements i didn't know that that last scene was taken out though I mean, at that point, she and I had the same feeling about this film. I was like, please, is it, just die already. <laughs> I mean, just please, let's finish this fucking movie. Spoilers, uh, Spartacus does die. Spartacus and dies. I think getting from where he began to his final death, Ethan, why don't you give us a plot synopsis? Oh, God, this is like the most convoluted plot. And so I've, put, I've tried to make it as, as not convoluted as possible. So... Spartacus, and, and of course it wouldn't be this podcast if I didn't talk shit about my summary. So here we go. Spartacus is the story of a particularly unruly Roman slave named, you guessed it, Spartacus, who is sold to become a gladiator. At the gladiator school, Spartacus is noted as being of quality and is uh, ridiculed after refusing to rape a slave woman named Vernia. The two share a romance from afar. Batiatus, Spartacus's owner, is visited by Crassus, a senator who hopes to take over Rome. Crassus, he's a bad dude. He brings some women with him who want to see the gladiators fight to the death. Batiatus refuses, as he always ensures that none of his slaves fight to the death until after they're sold. But Crassus and the women insist, and they choose four gladiators to fight, including Spartacus. When it becomes Spartacus's turn to fight, he loses, but instead of killing him, his opponent attacks the spectators and is killed. Crassus buys Verinia, he falls in love with her, and she's taken away. And as she's taken away, Spartacus kills the gladiator trainer, he incites a riot, and the slaves overthrow the school. Spartacus, as, as you might guess, becomes the leader and plans to take the slaves out of Italy. And as they go, they free more and more slaves to add to their army. He's reunited with Verinia, and the two get married. Spartacus's plan to escape Italy hinges on... Sil- Cilici- they're not Sicilian. I want to call them Sicilian. Cilicians. Cilicians. I can't say a damn thing today. Who they have bribed lending in order for them to lend them ships. The Romans get wind of this and they foil the plot and the slaves fight a huge battle, which they lose. Crassus demands that the slaves identify Spartacus in exchange for their lives, and Spartacus gives himself up, but all the other slaves also identify themselves as Spartacus. They're crucified. Crassus finds Spartacus' wife and child and makes them slaves in his house. However, his political opponent, knowing that Crassus has beaten him, uses Batiatus to steal her away and grant her freedom in one last blow to Crassus. Spartacus is forced to fight his friend and Crassus' former slave, Antoninus. He has to fight Antoninus to the death, and even though he's crucified at the end, he sees his wife and infant son as they escape into freedom. Yeah, so this movie was roughly three hours and 20 minutes long, somewhere yeah. in that, that area. 
and it's a long movie. I also want to mention it's only a year, not even a full year after Ben Hur is released. Mm-hmm. So two very long films around the same time period. The historical figure of Spartacus lived in like seventy seven BCE. Mm-hmm. So right around the same area, right? Because we're assuming that Ben Hur takes place around the zero with. Mm-hmm. Christ coming into the picture and also getting crucified. So they also share the point of crucifixion. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, because what's his name that plays Spartacus was kind of pissed that he didn't get Ben Hur. And what's his name is Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas, who is still alive. He's a hundred year. He's one hundred and one years old this year. Yeah, uh, he, I saw him in a news article about Trumbo, uh, Dalton Trumbo, yeah. the blacklisted writer who did the script on this film, and uh, he has a movie about him called Trumbo with Brian Cranston as the you know actor portraying him. Oh, that's cool. And he has some serious chin dimpling. That oh dimple. My gosh. I could live inside that dimple. That <laughs> dimple is like you could bury gold down there and never find it. That I mean, you look into that and the and it looks back at you. So Ethan, why don't we get into some of the themes because one of the <laughs> things that I think you cut out of the plot synopsis is really the machinations of the Roman Republic itself. Yeah, cuz that was just too, too much to even watch than more nonetheless write about. But yes, the, the throughout this whole film there Crassus and Julius Caesar and all these other Romans are there's all this meddling and like you said machinations and they're they're doing things in the Senate and that oh, I don't even really again you got a dear listener you can tell how much I enjoyed this movie but uh yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the most important parts of the film because it's portraying and not altogether inaccurately really the fall of the Roman Republic. Yeah. Because Crassus eventually is declaring a tyranny, and he is the commander in chief, and he's full. Of, he has all the armies, and Julius Caesar is with him as well. Yeah, and we know how that goes. Caesar is eventually going to take control of all of it. There's a triumvirate with Caesar and Crassus, and a third guy. I think it's Pompey, one of the yeah. other generals that brings his army there. But then, of course, it gives way to Caesar. But we're seeing the decadence of the Roman Republic and decadence built out from luxury, right? So they are they are static, they are stagnant, and people like Gracchus and his pal, which was Batiatus, which is owner of the, the slave gladiator school, they are, you know, given to vices and immorality as seen by the Republic because yeah. they are the they're both I'd say chubbier gentlemen right there. Doesn't one of them say at some point, he's like, you and I are corpulent. Oh, we're just, cor-. they're just like big old fat fatties, definitely. Yes, yeah, is Gracchus saying that they're corpulent and that way they make good rulers because the thin guys are always the evil ones, right? Which I guess Crassus right. is supposed to be the thin one among them. <laughs> Crassus, of course, is played by Sir Lawrence Olivier and he makes a good bad guy in this. Yeah, he's a pretty good bad guy. You know, it's peppered throughout the story, but... Gracchus, I think, at one point says there are more slaves in Rome than Romans. Yeah. And this shows the decadence of society, and it's ready to capitulate, right? But the tyranny is what sort of avoids that for, what, another couple hundred years? Yeah, something like that. But the reason they fear this Spartacus and his uprising is largely due to the fact that they don't have the ability to stop a general uprising in Rome because they are so fat on their their reliance on slavery. I mean, they're literally just making slaves kill each other for fun. It's so, you know, this is all about the corruption of uh, virtue, right? And because uh, no, there nobody has any real morals because they're all just enjoying 
decadence, the democracy falls apart. The people who actually have virtue in this situation are the slaves, right? The virtuous yeah. slaves. Like you mentioned in your plot synopsis, Spartacus refuses to rape Berenia, although it's not like presented as a rape, but clearly it is. It's yeah. a slave forcing themselves on a slave. But refuses to do it, and he yells, I'm not an animal. And then she looks at him and says, neither am I. And that's when he realizes kind of what's at stake there and gives her back her clothes and says, like, you should go. Like, this is not the way this should be. Which, yeah. you know, plants a seed for their their love. Which is really twisted another way because he refuses to rape her. And so she gets raped by other slave gladiators right. throughout the time. Which is like, would it have been better if he were to uh, just give in to the demands of his owners and, and rape her, right? Rather I mean, than she's... have her... She's going to get treated bad either way, so, I mean... Yeah, it's a rock and a hard place in this case. Yeah, and of, and that seems to be the reason that she falls in love with him, because, hey, thanks for not raping me that one time. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the foundation of their love, but <laughs> it, is definitely, it definitely has something to do with it. So, another virtue of the slaves that I wanted to bring up in this is that when Spartacus is spared by Draba, his companion who at the beginning says i don't want to know your name because i might have to kill you one day and in fact they are in that situation drabo refuses to kill spartacus when he has him beaten in the arena for the pleasure of crassus and the the ladies that go with him yes and instead attacks the spectators throws his trident and tries to go kill crassus and crassus is one that sticks the knife in his back yeah crassus is a he's a, a cold son of a bitch yeah he's he's cold and he's also cowardly clearly but Spartacus, when he comes back to rally at what at this point are just a rabble of raiders after they escape confinement, he says, look, Draba made a, a promise never to kill again in the arena, and that's why I survived. And I make that promise too, and we are better than these Romans, right? We have to set ourselves yeah. above, because they're putting Roman noblemen against each other in the arena themselves. And he says, this is not how we do it, so let's get together, let's go to the port, let's leave this damn country. And that's how he actually starts his... I'm using air quotes slave army because they were always referred to it as the slave army, but they're anything but right. I think that's sort of an ironic title when you think about it in this film, because they are the opposite of that. The antithesis, they put themselves above the corpulent, degenerate, degraded Republic of Rome and are trying to leave. They just want to get out of Italy. Right. And unfortunately we know that never happens, but it is a good thematization, right? It kind of sets that up. It just takes so damn long to do it. Yes. This film is uh, just cripplingly long it's so long and i never learned anybody's names and maybe that's my own fault but i couldn't understand people half the time and the things they were talking i was like why are we talking about this who what is going on but yes i mean it it is all about you know how the ruling class the romans are are bad people because you know they just enjoy their food and their slaves and their women and they just take what they want. Yeah, and that's what kind of puts at odds when Verinia is captured by Crassus at the end, and he says, I don't want to take from you, because she says, you can take me anytime you want because you own me. He says, I want you to give. And what we found out is that these slaves, again with the quotes, the ones who are ultimately free, they don't, you know, they don't give in to their masters. Their masters can take from them, but it's their choice to give, and they will choose not to, you know, continue to choose not to. Right. Which is why they choose to be crucified rather than live as slaves again. Yeah. It's because they have chosen their freedom, and it's their freedom, their choice, to choose to die on a cross, right, which is a right. horrible way to die. Yes, very unpleasant. Don't want to die like that. So <laughs> we've got 
a love story in this film. Kirk Douglas, who was also an executive producer on this film, said that this is ultimately a love story, love between Spartacus and his men, love between Viridia and Spartacus. And we have battles, some of which are shown. One, when they're supposed to fight at this city where 19,000 Romans die is not shown, which is kind of like, right. that's kind of a glaring omission to your to your epic war story. Maybe it's not, but you've got battles there as well. And you've got all this intrigue at the Republic, you know, versus the burgeoning tyranny that Crassus brings into effect, yeah. which, you know, Caesar is there and he plays a semi-important part in just showing people like, ah, oh, you know who Julius Caesar is, right? You know how this goes. Right. But he doesn't really actually do anything. So you've no, got he doesn't do much. Three stories that seem to be at odds a lot of times. And this is, I think, why you have a three-hour-plus runtime. Right. And they even talked about having to cut other scenes to make it, you know, shorter. But what would you cut? What would you cut in this film to make it a modern sub-two-hour film? Oh, God, I don't know. And any conversation that they're having, the long stretches of montages... Just, you know, and it just, or you could just speed a lot of this stuff up. I mean, is is what it is. It just just speed it up. Show me a little bit less of the train. I don't need a twenty minute training montage of the slaves fighting. We could cut that down to five minutes, baby. Right, and I think he doesn't escape slavery, the gladiatorial slavery, until something like forty minutes into the film, something yeah. like that. So you really could shorten that a lot and have a lot of exposition or background given through conversation. And really shorten that down. And then I think you need to bring Antoninus into the movie earlier. Because at, when he kills him at the end, you know, as a mercy, he kills him and says, uh, Antoninus says, I loved you like the, my father. And he says, I love you like my son I'll never see. It's really actually kind of a good moment. It is, but yeah. it's completely devoid of heavy thematization because they just don't give enough space to those two. We know Antoninus becomes important to the plot. That's already halfway through the film. I think you need to focus in on that. Antoninus and then the love story with Verinia can also keep there. But then you just make it about those things, and the epic conclusion is the fight between Antoninus and Spartacus, and they're both going at it. They both want to win because they want the other one not to face the death of crucifixion. So they're killing each other as a mercy to not die a slow death, yeah. which is a really cool thing, uh, thematically speaking, right? It's a horrid yeah. thing in actuality. But uh. <laughs> as, as a storyteller, I think that's a very, very compelling fight scene has a lot of stakes and they, they only linger on it for like 40 seconds or something like that i know and it the the other fights are in the in the I mean, they spend more time on gladiator training than they do on this really important fight mm-hmm. and and i think you're right that fight was is powerful it just but also at that point there's a little bit of hangover from the rest of the film because I, you just saw some guy get his arm chopped off i mean and that whole battle scene take that whole battle scene is like 25 minutes you know i just there's just a lot going on and then people are being crucified it's just the climax comes a little earlier than I, well i don't it just keeps there's waves it's just a lot of waves well, here's here's one of my problems i think is that in what's supposed to be a climactic battle where crassus meets spartacus and then pompey and the other guy show up to defeat Spartacus. Spartacus comes off looking like a real idiot as a general, even though five minutes before when the Cilician pirates withdraw their fleets and they can't escape, they have to say like, we have to march at Rome because the only viable option we have less to us. Any other way is certain death, but we can at least have a chance against Crassus. And so they go and engage Crassus army. And then Pompey shows up, they see it and then they engage Crassus anyway. And it's like, so everyone died and that didn't, that just doesn't, it was kind of lackluster for that to be the climactic scene that gets 
all of the slave army destroyed except for like 100 or 200 that get crucified all the way back to Rome. Yeah, but Matt, that guy getting his arm chopped off, I... Yeah, he was a real-life amputee, and so... Oh, really? Yeah, so they used him for that, so that's actually a dude lacking an arm in that scene, for sure. So yeah, it was, 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 I mean, an interesting scene because I think they had... If I recall correctly, eighty five hundred extras. Yeah, a lot in that of scene. So it's it's impressive, kind of like the Ben Hur chariot scene is impressive, but Ben Hur was far more impressive in the how that scene fit into the thematization and the plot of that film. Whereas this, the largest battle that's supposed to be very pivotal, has very little to do with the actions of the film except to advance the plot in that you need to have yeah. Spartacus lose the battle so he can have this this death, right? But the battle itself is not ultimately important, so to spend that much time on it just seems kind of wasted. Yeah, you know, it, it's really hard to not compare this to Ben-Hur. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing, too, about this is that this is a Kubrick film. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I don't know, I don't know that you've seen much Kubrick, probably very little. It's uh, Clockwork Orange, is that Kubrick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that, and I think that's probably the extent of my Kubrick films. Yeah, and this is, I mean... Kubrick denounces this film. He he distanced himself from it. He doesn't include it in his own sort of canon of work because he didn't have complete control over it. He didn't have complete control of the script, but he apparently had a lot of control of the cinematography. Yeah. Even though the other guy was fighting back at him. And so it was, it was a troubled production yes. for sure. And, you know, just in general, I think the story of Ben-Hur is just in general more compelling. It's more fun. There's a lot less of a chin dimple in that, <laughs> and no, but I mean, I, I Ben, I just Ben Hur was more interesting than this. To well, me. we can't forget the last forty minutes of Ben Hur. We both disliked True. universally. We wanted that to be cut out completely and not make it a New Testament story, but keep it in the Old Testament. Right? Yeah, I agree. And yeah, so maybe it, maybe it, we just don't dig the sword and sandals. Films. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. I, or maybe I just can't fucking stand to sit for three and a half hours and watch a movie. It's a long time. It is time. a bit much to ask. And I think we'll get to that in our three questions about when it holds up. But for now, I think I want to turn us to our pivotal scene. Yeah, let's do that. Which was not that big climactic battle, because like I said, I don't think that's really valuable to the thematization of the film itself. The scene I actually chose comes about mm, roughly halfway through the film, about an hour and a half into it, where Verinia and... Spartacus are walking away from the gathering or Antoninus is singing. He's really just doing poetry. I don't know why they call it singing. Yeah, they call it singing and he's just talking. <laughs> he's just talking. I was like, he's like, where'd you learn to sing like that? And I was like, the dude's not singing. It's not, sing. it's not singing. Ugh. But they walk away and Antoninus, they leave the thing with Antoninus saying, you know, I want to fight. And Spartacus says, no, you're going to sing because we have people that can fight. And he's like, but I came here to fight. And he's like, Listen, there are more important things than fighting. He's basically trying to get across. And so this is after that scene, and they're walking away. Spartacus just talks about his his wanting to know and know what exactly, know everything. He doesn't know how to read. He feels like his life has been wasted on fighting. So kind of recalling what he's talking to Antonius about. And he wants to learn, right? He's thinking beyond this war, right? This war has not consumed him. He's concerned with life. Yes. Okay, so let's give it a listen, and we'll be back. You like him, don't you? to fight an animal can learn to fight but the same beautiful things they make people believe them hmm. 
What are you thinking about? I'm free. What do I know? I don't even know how to read. You know things that can't be taught. I know nothing. Nothing. I want to know. I want to. I want to know. Know what? Everything. star falls and a bird doesn't. Where the sun goes at night. Why the moon changes shape. I want to know where the wind comes from. Okay, so that sort of just, you know, makes it more explicit. They talk about how he wants to know where the wind comes from and why birds don't fall but stars do, which I didn't really quite get. <laughs> and then... Uh, it's funny, I guess, because we know all these things. The explanations of things he's giving is like, where does the sun go at night? And it's like, well, nowhere. Like, we go somewhere. <laughs> so it's kind of set against our modern knowledge of things like astronomy and, I guess, geology of the world. But he doesn't know this. And so I guess his desire to learn is supposed to be his motivating force. And this is right before we get to really the the more bloody battles, right, where he is going to have to be a violent general. And I think that sets it off as, like, you know, maybe Spartacus isn't as simple as he seems. Yeah, I mean, and for him to—he's a sort of scholar king. Not literally a scholar or king, but you know what I mean? He's in that tradition Mm -hmm. of, you know, good moral character, wants to know things, wants to know his men and his people, and cares about—I mean, he's a good guy. Yeah, and all of this, I think, centers around his, his will for freedom— yeah, because freedom is at the core of that learning. Right? You you have to be free to learn, and because we know his captivity, his slavery has prevented him from learning anything. Yeah, and I think I want to take this time to give my thesis and kind of open it up to that discussion. So I think we can take a page from Stoicism here, where freedom is free from the external. Right, you can be free on the inside. Right, mm-hmm. just how Crassus points out to Verini at the end. I can take you anytime I want, but I want you to give to me, right? And that's freedom is, is to be able to withhold or to choose, right? Freedom to choose. But Spartacus and his slave army choose to free themselves from oppressors, from external forces to inspire others to do the same, right? To show others that they too can be free, if not in physic, you know, physically free, but spiritually or emotionally or mentally free. And with that will to be free, everything is attainable. So Spartacus is finding out now that he is free even though he's free, he's free in person and no one can ever own him again. So even when he goes and dies on the cross, he still knows he's free. And that knowledge is what's so powerful and so scary to the Romans because they know this too, right? They are they are not free in the way that his army is because they are, they are dependent on slavery and gluttony and all the vices that we talked about, this corruption from virtue. Mm-hmm. Whereas their slaves have the power to be free. And if they actually learn that, right, then they can have real big troubles yeah mine's a lot more simpler because i took this movie to be fairly straightforward freedom is the most important virtue taking someone's freedom away is the greatest sin because it's better to die free 
than to live a slave. And he ultimately, they all die free because they're not slaves anymore. So yeah, right. <laughs> and slavery is you know, only bodily slavery in this. So we don't see anyone that's mentally a slave to another. No. And so their death is in fact freedom, and that's kind of an interesting statement we put up against what Spartacus says earlier in the film, uh, where he says a free man when he dies he is losing the pleasure of life, right? And that goes and the pleasure. The word choice pleasure I think is very important. When we think about the corrupt corpulent romans but a slave just loses the pain of death right mm-hmm. so death is a net positive for a slave right but this is right after spartacus has declared his freedom so he says i'm free and so he doesn't fear death but so he's kind of caught between this freedom and slave dichotomy he embraces aspects of slavery or maybe they're just conditioned into him but then he also shoots for things of freedom. Like when his death is not something he fears. He doesn't tell Antonius that he fears death. He says, I fear death no more than my birth. Right. It's just he, so I guess we think of that in terms of it's an eventuality, something that has to happen in any case. Mm-hmm. But he also doesn't admit it as being the loss of the pleasure of life. Right. He just thinks of the end of pain. So it's interesting. I don't know if it's contradictory of the film to do that, but I think it is showing Spartacus to be a very, difficult person to untangle right mm-hmm. which may be far more than he was in actuality but who can say right who can say who can say it is kind of a modern storytelling to have spartacus be so complicated right yeah. and not stated as such just kind of underlying the film that spartacus is a deep person and we're never really going to unravel that Gordian knot you know right well ethan i think maybe now's the best time to turn to our three questions let us do it so the first one, as always, is do we care about this film? Yeah, I think we have to, unfortunately. Well, maybe uh, tell me why, uh, unfortunately. Well, why do you ma- think unfortunately? Uh, because it's just, who wants to watch a three-hour movie? Um, I mean, you it's got so many sort of cultural references. It's wrapped up in the same sort of thing that Ben-Hur is wrapped up in. The You know, it is it with Ben-Hur is probably the, you know, the sword and sandal poster children that people remember you know it's got the iconic i am spartacus and you know if 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 anything else it's kubrick's least favorite film he didn't said it was all you know he distanced himself from it and so i think it's worth checking that out if you care in any way about film and kubrick and any of that so yeah i think we have to well let me ask you this then do you think this film should be so much higher and so much being 19 places higher than Ben-Hur on the list? Oh, absolutely not. I don't think so. I think Ben-Hur is a better film all around. In what ways has Ben-Hur better, though? It's The plot was much more interesting. I cared about the characters. I knew people's names. <laughs> and I think it was just less messy. This this just feels a lot more messy. It's, you know, like you said, it's those the sort of three storylines that are wrapped up that we're bouncing back and forth in between. It's It wants to be both an action movie and a movie about the fall of Rome in the Senate. And I don't think that that balances well in the end. You know, there's actually supposed to be a scene in this film where at that big battle we talked about, the climactic, the pseudo-climactic battle, I don't really find it to be climactic all that much, kind of a letdown. During that battle, is supposed to be spliced with scenes of Varenia giving birth to their child. Oh, so you have everyone dying, and you'd have, you know, the one one child of Spartacus being born into the world. I mean, okay. Ugh. Which would have kind of played the 
the statement by, you know, no more than I, than when I was born, does Spartacus fear death, you know, no more than when I was born, mm-hmm. uh, would kind of play better in that sense. But yeah, so it, it is messy. It's messy. And they had some ideas and not all of them were put to completion. And I think this could be a much tighter film if you hear a lot of stuff out I think it'd be tightened down in a really, really nice way. Yeah. But yeah, I do think Ben-Hur was less messy. And I, and I think that we have to remember, this is 1960, and we're talking about, I mean, it's all about slavery and freedom, and we're in 1960, and there are, like, two black people in this whole film, which is, like, you. it just feels very glaringly uncomfortable to me. Sure. I mean, we can say, though, that one of the black people, Draba, is actually a really heroic character in this film you know instead right. of choosing instead of killing spartacus to try to go after the oppressors but there is a line at the very beginning like you know before you know 2000 years before slavery would finally die i'm like this is 1960 slavery is not really dead yeah it's kind of it's not you know and kind so of was, a bold statement you're making there america yeah it's very whitewashed and so that is part of my unfortunately thing but again what what do we expect from 1960 <laughs> the bar is pretty low yeah, so I think we do care about this film. Yeah. I always, I was too comparing it to Ben Hur throughout my watching, and it's like, well, that I means interesting what they did with Spartacus, but there are parts where I was just like, I simply don't care about you know this portion of it, and I think they could have condensed the gladiatorial stuff immensely, and I think they could have been a bit more maybe light with the imperial or really the Senate, the Republican intrigue. And boiled that down some and also reduced a little bit of the love stuff because that's important, but we need it all to play together, right? All these themes have to play together for this to be ultimately successful. And I think there were glimmers of it doing very well, just ultimately did not capture the full essence of all the three three kind of thrusts they were trying to make in the film. Yes. Okay, let's move on to our next question then. What do we owe this film? I am Spartacus. Well, we, we owe I'm Spartacus. I, no, I'm Spartacus. Yeah, no, I no, I am just I'm. I'm Spartacus. I'm, no, I I'm Spartacus. No, Matt, I'm Spartacus. I think you must understand. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> Stupid. It's a dumb bit. Well, what, what commercial is it that they the I am Fenwick? It's like a one of those. It might be Geico or something where they're all standing up and it's like, which one of you is Fenwick? And he says, I'm Fenwick. I'm Fenwick. I am Fenwick. And then one guy walks out and he's like, Fenwick, have you seen my shield? It had vertical stripes, <laughs> so this one has horizontal. And it's like, want to get away? Oh, it's a travel one. It's like, want to get away for a while or something like that. Oh, yeah. Because he pretty much outs the leader, um, which is very much off Spartacus. And that's a commercial that came out this last year. Yeah. Right? So, Spartacus uh, is clearly. A big, yeah. Now, what else do we owe them? I don't know. It's a I sword mean, Spartacus and movie. Blood in the Sand is a TV show on HBO. Yeah. So, you know. It's, again, it's just sword and sandal. Whatever we said for Ben Hur, just dear listener, <laughs> import that into here. I think it it does sort of make motions that we see a lot today with the major war movie, but also love story. Trying to yeah pull those together, interweaving those plots. Which I mean, I think it's a good thing. I just don't think it was very well done. I don't think it. I don't think it was particularly well done in this film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. It's clear where that lineage comes from, and I don't know if this started it, but it certainly helped it a lot. And I really do respect this film for its admission, you know, that Roman Republic is failing and falling, and we are seeing, like, the Nietzschean collapse of a a decadent society. Yeah. 
1960 that they're doing this. It's like, okay, well done. Like that's well handled, I think, in a lot of places. So yeah, it, it is. It is more cerebral than one might think. And I yeah. think that's worth noting. I think that's enough to owe this film, right? I think that's enough to owe it to put on this list. I just am confused a little bit why Ben-Hur is not seen as a better film in the eyes of AFI. Yeah, I agree. Top 100 list. Well, why don't we move on to our very last question. And does this film hold up? I think the easy answer is not really. And I think that's always born of of runtime. Because this question when we answer it is about can a modern audience sit down and watch this and enjoy it? Yeah. And that, that price tag of the three hours and 20 minutes is a steep one it is very steep on top of that you know even though it's got some really beautiful and really cool shots of lots of people and horses the action most of the time isn't particularly that interesting anymore the action is bad in a lot of ways that i think films that deal with a little more modern content don't have to deal with because if you've got guns in your scenes you don't have to get really close to somebody you don't have to choreograph much you just have to have a bunch of people that know how to like grip their chests and fall down and die so when you're doing hand-to-hand combat that becomes a lot more messy in terms of choreography and so i think when you do sword and sandals like we've been talking about it's harder to make big scenes big battles look good i agree it's just tough although that guy getting his fucking arm chopped off man i can't let that go because i was like oh shit because that came out of nowhere i also think that I mean, we complained about the runtime of Rogue One last week on our Patreon episode. And that's only two hours and 13 minutes. And this is another hour on top of that. So even we who are a little more conditioned to watching, I think, longer films now, still find it to be a bit arduous. So modern audience... Not yes, so much. Maybe not so much. I think some of the themes are really good, and but kind of the way in which... The battles, which are supposed to be kind of central to the plot, which I think fall short of being central to the plot, aren't very engaging. You don't really get a drama from them. I think the one-on-one battle stuff could have been good. And I was really expecting a cool fight between Antoninus and Spartacus because the stakes were so high, thematically speaking. Right, and it was like a minute and a half long. Yeah, it, it was all over very, very quickly. So those kinds of things would not really engage a modern audience, especially considering the runtime. Yeah, so... I'm going to give it a verdict of not really. A verdict of not really. There you have it. Uh, Spartacus, colon, not really. Not really. A synopsis for our episode today, which is coming to a conclusion now. So we want to point out that next week we're going to watch a really bad film because Ethan's a terrible person. Oh, yeah. On our Patreon, we're going to watch Swiss Army Man. Dear listener, you should pay the $5 and listen. It's worth it. <laughs> So for those of you that maybe the first time with us or only a couple episodes in, we do off-week episodes on our Patreon for our patrons of the arts. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes that are not off AFI's top 100 canonical list, as we call it. And this one is Daniel Radcliffe in Swiss Army Man, a film that Ethan knows I'm going to hate. And so if you want to see me suffer... Very much like Spartacus dying on the cross, you Mm -hmm. will find it next week on Patreon. But... If you can't afford that or or you just don't like us that much, you can always come back in two weeks and listen to us talk about another film from 1960, The Apartment. The Apartment. Irrespective of that, next week we'll still be on our our free canonical list because we've got another installment of The Rundown. The Rundown. Part four, 20 episodes have been covered and we Jesus are going Christ. to... We're, it's starting to get into difficult territory here, Ethan. 
Oh my god, I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm my excited body is ready. and I'm pained, but you know, the death of a slave is just the end of pain, right? So Right. When you do things in life you get pain. So So with that I think we'll call this an episode and, and I've been Matt Bazell. And I'm Spartacus, Ethan Knight. There will be spoilers. And I'm there will be spoilers. 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 Okay, I'm done. There Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bazell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at Becca the Knight. Our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can check him out all over the internet. You can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast, and you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month. Also at patreon.com slash SpoilersCast. Our email continues to be SpoilersCast at gmail.com, so send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on itunes it really helps thank you so much sorry to bother you buddy boy but the little lady forgot a galoshes Mr. Kirkaby, I don't like to complain, but you were supposed to be out of here by eight. I know, buddy boy, I know, but those things don't always run on schedule like a Greyhound bus. Well, I don't mind in the summer. It's what on a rainy night. I haven't had any dinner yet. Uh, sure, sure. Um, oh. Uh, look, kid, I, I put in a good word for you with Sheldrake and personnel. Mr. Sheldrake? That's right. We were discussing our department manpower-wise, promotion-wise. I told him what a bright boy you are. They're always on the lookout for young executives. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're on your way up, buddy boy. And you're also out of liquor. <laughs> <laughs>